We are going to be back in 1 Peter chapter number 1 once again this morning. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and I am just going to begin in verse number 3 and work my way down to just about verse number 21. So if you don't like reading the Bible, too bad. Um, We're going to do a little bit of that tonight. Uh, It is the foundation of our faith And we ought to be skilled in it, aware of what it teaches and says, how to apply it and how to live it. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet out of reverence for what we are about to read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time." Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love." In whom thou now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who promised of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I love this phrase, which things the angels desired to look into. Wow. It's a glorious thing to be saved. I can't help but pause. I don't intend to stop there, but the spirit within me just says, think about that. I mean, think about what has just been said. That we have been given abundant mercy, that he has begotten us again into a lively hope from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not even death can, can take your joy. He's been given us, verse number four, an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that faith not away, reserved in heaven for you. Have you ever had a restaurant reservation? You show up. Don't you feel fancy? Shoemate, party of two. They take you to your table, and there it is. And in the most beautiful calligraphy, reserved. And there is a place in heaven for the most beautiful calligraphy, gold-leafed and gold-lettered, Reserved. Am I at the wrong table? No, for you. Who are kept, verse number five, by the power of God 
through faith and to salvation. We can't lose it, friends. And then my heart is drawn back to where we left off. Verse number 13. Wherefore, because of these things, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, doesn't this sound familiar, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, Oh, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Wow. Can I just read the next verse? Oh, I might have to get the next one after that too. I'll just go to the end of the chapter. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh, this life that we have right now, is as grass. And all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I can't stop. Wherefore... (laughs) Laying aside all malice and all guile and all and hypocrisies. Didn't mean to add to the word of God there. And hypocrisies and envies and, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming as... Unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and there it is again, precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy, notice that word, underscored in your mind, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There it is. That's where the Lord desires for us to end. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we gather around it, I pray that it would sink in. Lord, that our hearts would be convicted by it, saturated by it, encouraged by it, conformed to it. And Lord, I am not able to do this with my words, but pray that by your spirit, 
that your work would be done tonight in our hearts. Help me. In Jesus' name, please help me, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know how it gets for you when you start reading God's Word, but sometimes it gets real to me. And only have we been purchased and purified by His precious blood. But He has called us not just to do something, but to be something. We spend way too much time on the doing and not enough time on the being. For I believe with all of my heart that if we are the right thing, we will do the right thing. If we would focus on who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus, then the rest will take care of itself. And as the Lord brought us to that very last verse we read, I Read in verse number 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. And as we look around this sanctuary here tonight at Valley View Baptist Church, this should be and should always be a spiritual house. Not a fleshly house. Not a place to work out our carnalities, our desires, our impulses. But no, we are lively stones that are placed one upon another and together to be a house built up in Him, by Him, and for Him. Spiritual house. But this spiritual house has one endemic quality that you will find in no other house. What is that quality, Pastor Jared? Is it kindness? Yes, we should be a house full of kindness, but you can find kindness in any other house if they try hard enough. But welcoming should be a house of welcome. Well, you can find a welcome down at Applebee's. They put on their little brown aprons and their stars and they show you to your table and bring you heavenly goodness. But in this house... There is one quality that no other house has. And it's described in the very next few words of verse number 5. That in this house, he also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. And here it is. And holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Not just any kind of priesthood. But he says specifically here, we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That it's all there on purpose. Every jot and every tittle, every letter, every word has an eternal purpose and is there not by accident and not just for the flow of the text, but so that God and God alone would describe what we ought to be and think and do and how we should conduct ourselves, but most importantly, how we should define ourselves. And here it is, not just a priesthood, but a holy priesthood. I come back to 
the earlier portion that we read in chapter number one. And I read this, this statement in verse number 16. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. In verse number 15 he says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And we can be a lot of things. But if we forget that we have been called to holiness, then we will lose our identity in Him. And I would like to preach this message entitled, Be Ye Holy. Be Ye Holy. It's not something that is often magnified within many churches and perhaps we don't even focus enough tension on it here in this place or in our own hearts. But we find it punctuated all throughout Scripture that God's people are to be a people that are set apart. And that is precisely what the word holy means. It means both without spot. There should be a without spot, a purity to it, just as we heard concerning the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are not tainted or, or stained or conformed to this world, but we are without spot or marking from this world, but instead we bear the marks of our Savior. The word holiness means without spot, pure, or sacred. It means to be separated from that which is wicked, but separation from wickedness is not enough to define what holiness truly is. For in order to be holy, you must both be separated from that which is wicked, but also separated for the purpose of God's use. It must be both. It cannot be, oh, we, we are not this. It must be that we are totally His. And it seems like we have a difficult time sometimes identifying those places and blemishes and spots within our own mind, within our own heart, which are hindering us from being the holy type of people that God has called us to be. We as Christians especially, I know the crowd that I'm speaking to, if you're listening by live stream, you've really gone out of your way because that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to sit in your living room or in your car, wherever you happen to be, in your hotel room, in your hospital room, and tune in. It's, it's imperfect. I know I'm preaching too if you're listening to live stream. I know I'm preaching too here in the sanctuary. This isn't Sunday morning. This is Sunday night. This is the night that you could just decide not to be here. This is the night that many churches have decided, well, that service is rather insignificant. So we're just going to pour everything into Sunday morning and not, not have Sunday night service. I know who I'm preaching to. I feel, anyways, that I'm preaching to those who have a genuine desire for holiness, a genuine desire to be a representation, an image bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think that even we, and maybe even especially we, can be too easy on ourselves when it comes to this matter of holiness. I can remember a, a time, I know my dad will remember this, but he had cleaned up 
the dirt bike, washed it, got it all ready. It was shining. It was glistening. The tires were glowing. The spokes were cleaned up. I mean, everything was clean. It was parked in the garage, and Amelie and I came out into the garage, and, and I look at the bike, and I see, wow, that looks fantastic. Amelie looks at it, and she says, why is it dirty? What are you kidding? Look, and here's the difference. I was looking at the whole picture. Hey, it looks pretty good. Kind of like some children who may live in my home or may not live in my home. Look at their room when they're told to clean it. Hey, Abby. <laughs> looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. But Amelie was looking at those precise little details, those nooks and crannies, those small little crevices. And I am calling the whole church of the living God tonight to look beyond just the big picture and into the small nooks and crevices of our life where we have not allowed the Lord to bring those things of conviction into our life. Hey, if we could look into the nooks and crannies of the desires and thoughts and intents of our heart, for he knows them as well. And yes, your words may be holy on the outside, but are they genuine from the inside? And yes, you may be able to dress the role on the outside, but is there a measure of corruption from within inside? Is there a element of pride or jealousy or bitterness or anger or, or variance or, or any of the things even listed here? that we are to depart from? Is there guile? Is there malice? Are there hypocrisies? Are there envies? Are there evil speaking? And we have our way of magnifying the big sins and allowing ourselves to get away with the same things that drove the spikes through the hands of Jesus Christ. We get on social media and it's, and it's almost like the Bible doesn't apply here. We can repost or type anything that we want and oh because it's a picture or because someone else originally said it and we're just sharing it and then, then it doesn't really matter because it wasn't us. I'm just telling you what someone else said. Or we can get on there and in a subversive way post something that everybody else knows is about something else and feel that we are not causing discord or, or disunity and, and feel like, like somehow we get a pass for that as if that is not gossip, as if that is not inappropriate, as if that is not hurtful, as if everybody else doesn't know what's going on. And I'm saying that we are called to a higher calling. I want you to know, I'm not, I am not trying to, to prop myself up as a holier than thou, but I am in the same mess you are, in desperate need of God. I see it is so easy as the culture begins to flow, that it is so easy to flow with that culture as the waves of acceptance for the LGBTQ plus IA, whatever letters they want to add to it, as the waves of acceptance flow across this nation and rainbow flags stick up on just about every single roof and every single business place, it is so easy, even when asked, to take the easy answer. Well, they can live however they want to live. Look, it's either right or it's wrong. 
It's either right or it's wrong. And I do not in any way, shape, or form defend uh, a, a desire that is ungodly, unscriptural, and unacceptable in his sight. It is against the very will of God. And I don't even want to be passive about it. I want to be holy. I want to be separated. I want to be far from that. I don't want someone to look into my life and wonder where I stand. I want my banner to be clear. that I'm not against you as a person. I love you and I want to do everything within my power to help you. The only help that I see for you is in God. And the only way that you're going to get help is repentance from wickedness and turning to Christ as your Savior. And the same is true. The same is true with every other vulgar, suggestive, inappropriate thing that's taking place in this world and in this country. And as believers, I, I feel like this world is, is slowly, not slowly, it is as rapidly as ever invading the house of God. Amen. It's invading worship styles. It's been doing that a long time. It's been invading the pulpit. It's been invading the house of God to where we can just get along like the rest of the world and come as you are and stay as you are kind of Christianity. Look, when I read my Bible, I see that he has called us to be a holy priesthood, something set apart, something different, something distinct, something special in his eyes, something peculiar in this world. And we as Christians, it seems like we continually ask this question, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And what we need to be asking is, should we do this? Should we do that? And we look at drinking and tattoos and vaping and and going out to some bar and and mixing it up with an ungodly um, uh, an an unbeliever and, and trying to associate ourselves with all of those things and maybe, maybe, maybe within your Christian liberty, you can do that. But the question is, should should you? Should you? And some of you right now, you're, you're going down through the, the list of things that I have said. And is, is pastor against those? Is pastor against that? Where's, where's he at? And I, I did this. Is he thinking of me? Is he, look, stop thinking about what I am thinking and what I am listing and listen to the Holy Spirit of God. And no, I'm not trying to put our church or you under a yoke of bondage and create this era of of legalism and, and strictness and harshness. What I'm simply saying is this, we are called to be holy. So that's what we should be. And if we've never given thought to what that means, then maybe that's why this is on my heart. So heavy tonight. Is because if he is holy, which he is, and he's called us to be like him in this area, and God help us if we approach it flippantly. God help us if we're reckless with the calling that he has on our life. So, what calling? 
Just as John courageously got up here and made public his calling, we all have a calling under the household of faith by the Word of God. And if you won't listen to me, then listen to the calling straight from the words of Scripture. Verse number 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. I want to point out a few things to you here in this passage that we ought to consider. It is not enough It is not enough just to read this and say, well, I want to be holy. Because I personally believe that when the Holy Spirit of God does a work in our hearts, that that work should make its way outward. So if if you are trying to say, well, Pastor Jared, I think you're just imposing outward outward standards on me, then uh, if you think that that's what I'm doing, you're missing the whole thing altogether. Let's start from the heart for a moment. Shall we? From the heart. From the heart of the Holy Scriptures to our hearts here tonight, there are four actions that should accompany holiness. The first one is this. That if we are to be the kind of believer that Christ has called us to be, we need to first off choose your position. Choose your position. Here's what I mean by that. Verse number 13, if I, if I could let you loosen up for just a minute. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that's tense, I don't know. It's interesting because Peter is writing to a very unique group of believers. These believers are not believers that are in a state of liberty like we are. They're being hunted down. You realize that as Peter writes to the church here, he's writing to a group of persecuted believers. So, Pastor Jared, are you just reading that into the text? No. No, after he reminds of all these incorruptible inheritance that they have in in verse number 3, 4, and 5, reminding them that they are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Look at what he says in verse number 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, what season? If need be, ye are in heaviness. Through manifold temptations, he's he's talking about the persecution of that era. Verse number seven, that the trial of your faith, their faith is under trial here. They're under persecution here. And what's his message to them? As you go through this trial, be holy. And he says, you're going to have to choose your position because when the temperature gets turned up, it'll be too late to choose then. You need to make up your mind now. That's why he says in verse number, oh, if I could find it, in verse number 13, he says, Wherefore, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. That means, hey, get your mind ready. Get your mind ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. This might seem like a, like a silly illustration from sports, but 
One of my favorite things to do when I played baseball was steal bases. Loved it. Loved it. I didn't care if I got a hit. If the pitcher hit me, I was grateful. Because then I didn't have to decide whether or not to swing on the next pitch. I just wanted to get to first so that the coach would give me one of those cool little signs and send me to second and steal second base. Man, I loved it. I get a big, about as big, big of a lead off as I could possibly get. And I'm watching that pitcher's back foot. Because if you know, if he moves it to the back, he's going to try to throw it back to first base and throw you off. But if he keeps it on that pitcher's mount, if he keeps it on that rubber, and he begins to go into motion, he has to go forward. And I had my mind made up. The moment he moves forward, I'm gone. I'm gone. And I'm not looking back. I'm not even going to look to see if the throw's coming from the catcher because the only thing that matters is that I get to the next base before that ball and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. I was up on my toes digging into that dirt, sliding as fast and as hard as I could. And it all started somewhere. I decided, I'm going. I chose the route. I'm heading out. I'm not going back to first base. I'm heading to second base. And I feel like some believers have already got the sign from God. Holiness, go. I called you to it. You need to choose it now. And there are so many believers and, and I feel like they're still shifting back and forth and they need to gird up the loins of their mind. And maybe it's you tonight. Maybe you're in that place trying to decide, am I, am I in or, or am I out? Am I, am I in or am I out? He said, gird up the loins of your mind. He says, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we need to get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when I get my eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, I find out that that calling to holiness means so much more in my heart. If I could be clear internally, the only way we can be holy is to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Externally, it's a work that Christ does from the inside out. And I can understand a believer that just got saved yesterday. The Holy Spirit's working on them and we're going to give them time to grow. And we're not going to be the kind of place that just looks on the externals and, oh, you're not good enough to be here and you need to go somewhere else. No, we are excited to have everybody at every stage of their spiritual walk. Glory to God. They get saved yesterday, the day before, a week, and they may have been saved for, for a few years, but the Lord's still working on them, just like the Lord's still working on you and I, by the way. But some of us, we've been saved a long time and there are things we know the Lord has dealt with us about and we're still fiddling around with it. And yes, that is the correct term to use, fiddling around with it. Be ye holy. Therefore, actions that should accompany holiness. Some of you are very nervous because you're watching the clock and I've only said one of them. Don't worry, I'm watching the clock too. I'll watch the clock. You watch the Lord. Choose your position. Choose your position. The second one is this. Challenge your priorities. Challenge your priorities. Verse number 14 says it so beautifully. 
as obedient children, as obedient children, I love that. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. No, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. I I love that phrase, all manner of conversation. If you're not careful, you'll read that and think that that's just talking about what we do with our lips. But it's that word conversation is actually speaking about every outward manifestation of our life. Whether it's our words, whether it's our actions, it's how we conduct ourselves, it's how we dress ourselves, it's how we live in this world. When it says all manner of conversation, it's talking about the, the summation of everything we do externally everything, our relationships, our attire, our words, our entertainment, our, the things that we put in our body, the things that we refuse, the things that we accept. And when we come to verse number 14 and 15 and we see this manner of all conversation, it's talking about everything that we do. And I just want to challenge you because I feel that some of us are still suffering from the wrong mindset. Uh, look at what it says. Boy, I, I wish I had forever on this. Look at the end of verse number 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. And that's talking about the old man. What would the old man do? Well, the old man would do a lot of things. And, and whenever you find something that you're doing right now that the old man would probably still do, you might want to ask yourself, well, the old man would eat steak, ribeye, medium rare. It's like, well, is there a scriptural prohibition against that? No, I don't see one. So, all right, I'm good. But what about those other things the old man's doing? Then he makes a statement. According to your former lust, in your ignorance. Some of us are afraid to find out what the Bible really says. Because it might cramp our lifestyle. It might convict our hearts. It might make us feel uncomfortable. The goal of a believer is never to be ignorant, but to study, to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if there is an issue, a subject, a matter in your life that you're almost nervous to search out and find out what God says, then there's a ding, 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 clear indication that maybe we're in that dangerous place where we're not supposed to be living in our ignorance, but we're kind of comfortable there. No, the believer is called to be holy. How do we do that? By growing. By growing in what his word says, by being nourished by his word, by being, being satisfied with what he said and being willing to challenge our priorities by the word of God. Challenge them. 
Challenge them. Be as the Bereans and search the scriptures to see whether these things be so. And yes, I know that in the context of that scripture, the Bereans were listening to doctrinal teachings and were searching them out to see if they're right. But we need to apply the same principle to all manner of conversation, to our whole lifestyle, and see if how we're living is how we're really supposed to be living. You know, if I were on the mission field, I feel that in some regards, this could be much easier than in a culture that still has the vestiges of Christianity in it. Because it's so easy then to point out the differences between pagan culture and Bible doctrine. But here, the two run so close that they intermingle and become difficult even to discern in our minds. Are we doing this because of culture? Are we doing this because of Christ? And what I'm saying is, let's get past this ignorance and challenge our priorities. Let's challenge them. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Number three, challenge our priorities. Choose your position. And could we change your perspective on holiness? Change your perspective. Why do I have to do that? Because... When you were a kid, didn't you hate that answer? Because. Because is not even a full, it's not even a complete sentence. But here's the answer. Because it is written. Because what's written? Be ye holy, for I am holy. For I am holy. Do you realize that the call to be holy is the call to be like Christ? We need to absolutely throw a stick of dynamite and blow up our perspective of holiness. Holiness means I can't have any fun. Holiness means I'm this rigid robot that cannot do anything. Don't we have that perspective? Holiness means I am this... I am upset at everybody and I don't like anybody and I'm judging you all. Like, doesn't, I mean, is, am I wrong on this? Isn't that we, how we kind of view it from the outside looking in? Oh, they're holier than thou. Is that yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's not the perspective. The perspective of holiness is not me looking at you and it's not you looking at me either. <laughs> it's all of us. Dare I say, looking to Christ. Don't be holy because the pastor said so. Don't be holy because your Sunday school teacher said so. Don't be holy because your parents said so. Don't be holy because that's what you think you're supposed to do. Be holy, for I am holy. It's not because... I said so. It's because he is. We're called to be like him. Oh, and how beautifully nestled in this passage is this glorious truth. 
For when we change our perspective and look towards him, a clearer picture we will discover of who God is will totally upend our perception of this rigid, no fun having holiness mentality. No, the call to holiness is a call to godliness. It's a call to see him as he is. Oh, what a glorious truth. When I look at God, I realize that in Christ, his condition, God, his condition is righteous. His reputation is flawless. His justice is pure. His decisions are just. His lamb is spotless. His angels swarm about his throne crying, holy, holy, holy. Oh, and what happened when men encountered him? Well, Joshua encountered him and Joshua fell upon his face. Moses came near him and had to remove his sandals. Demons came upon him and shuddered in fear. And on the last day of our lives, we will kneel before him and say, thou art the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can either live like it now and have no regret or we can kneel ashamed, wishing that we would have had a different perspective on holiness, on purity, a different perspective on separating ourselves that could so easily be entangled with the culture of the world so that we could unify ourselves with the one who has called us to be ye separate saith the Lord. Come out from among them. Be holy. I'll give you just one more and then we'll go. I see four actions of holiness. We need to choose our positions, challenge our priorities, change our perspective. And then the last one I think is so special to me. We need to cherish our purity. Cherish it. Cherish it. It's all wrapped up here in these two verses, in verse number 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's a call to be with him. Not just a call to be with him, it's a call to be like him. Wouldn't you want to cherish that? And yet this world, they trample on purity. Everything that is vile is celebrated. Everything that is wicked is glorified. They will take images of lust upon images of adultery upon images of drunkenness and use it to sell innocent products. Why? Because wickedness is an appealing thing. And for whatever reason, the opposite of wickedness, which is purity in the culture that we live in today, has looked, is looked at in our culture like a stain. Oh yes, if you stand up for the righteousness that the Bible teaches, boy, you will be outcast. I'll guarantee you that. You find yourself at a 
at a barber shop or in a checkout line and, and, and you start talking about the things of God. And I doubt there's going to be very many people that want to listen when you get to the matter of holy living. Where are the men that just beg for godliness and live their lives accordingly? Where are the dads who with courage and love put a shield around their home and guard their children from the invasion of wickedness that is taking place in our culture? Where are the mothers who cherish their children to such a degree that they're willing to live out this life of holiness, not because they have to, but because they get to. And they teach their children to rejoice in the Lord who makes no mistakes and rejoice in the fact that he has called us to be separate and, and believe that this life that we are called to is not a curse. It's not a punishment while we're here on earth. No, it is something to cherish. It is a privilege to live as Christ lived. Oh, and this is how we should see it. Holiness. Holiness. As I begin my third conclusion, <laughs> I've noticed that I've said holiness, holiness, holy, 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 holy. I've said that so many times that maybe we've forgotten the thrust. Is it, where is the dilemma in us? Where is that matter where the world seems to have crept in on us? And we're just, we're just going about this life a little bit more, more carelessly than we ought. Are we guiding our homes in this? Are we setting forth the right example? Are we living this genuinely? Because we want to please Him, because He's worthy. Do we give ourselves a, a pass when it comes to those sins of, of pride and, and gossip and slander? Do we say, oh, the wickedness is, is out there and we refuse to pray the prayer that, that David prayed, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. And Peter writes to these persecuted believers. He says, be holy. For I am holy. Doesn't that put an exclamation point on the importance of this? And I pray that the Lord would stir in our hearts... And help us to, to come to place where if, if need be, we're willing to exchange liberty for influence. And stop asking those questions of 
well, well, I can do this, right? So maybe you can. But in, in doing that, does that create confusion about who you're really serving? Because we are to be a lively stone, a house built together for His purpose that is uniquely a holy priesthood.